Be sure to check out my latest horror anthology series, Fragments of Fright. Volume 1 is waiting for you. Go to Amazon and search for Fragments of Fright. Or go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. <laughs> Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. Don't go in the basement. My wife and I recently divorced. It was rather abrupt. I came home from work early one day and found her in bed with my best friend. Due to her infidelity, I got everything I wanted in the divorce, including the house, which I really didn't want. I mean, I couldn't sleep in that bedroom again after what I witnessed. Nah, that place had way too many memories so I sold it. I took the money I made from the sale and purchased my dream home, which was just a simple cabin in a heavily wooded, quiet area. It would be the perfect place to start a new life. The problem was, it was going to take about six months to clear some of the land, build the cabin, get a driveway put in, and all that. So, in the meantime, I had to rent a place to live. I wasn't particular about what my temporary home would be, I just didn't want it to be too expensive. One day while driving through a peaceful neighborhood on my way to work, I noticed a for rent sign in the yard of an old house. It was a corner lot with an average size yard. It needed a good mowing, but otherwise it looked fine. The house itself was a 1940s two-story brick colonial. The bricks were weathered and gray, but sturdy. There were chimneys on both sides of the house, and the two gabled dormer windows on the roof gave the appearance of eyes looking out over the neighborhood. I didn't need a house that big, but I figured I'd call the number and inquire as to the price. When I called and the owner of the house told me the price, I thought I misunderstood him. The monthly price was unusually low. There had to be a catch, so I asked if he could show it to me. The tour through the house went fine. The interior was a little worn and extremely dated. It was still displaying a loud 1970s theme. Lots of orange and earth tones, shag carpet, wood paneling, but it was nothing I couldn't live with. I asked why the price was so low. 
The owner claimed the reason was because it was only available for six months. At that point, he was planning on giving the entire interior a makeover, and then he was going to put it up for sale. He said most folks who had any interest declined due to the short availability, so he lowered the price considerably in hopes to get a little extra money before the renovations began. Of course, for me, that six-month time frame was perfect. My dream home would be complete by then, and I'd be ready to move out, so I was quick to sign the six-month lease. He said since he was completely renovating the interior that I was free to do any decorating I wanted. Paint, wallpaper, he even said if I wanted to tear down some walls to go for it, it would be one less thing he'd have to rip down later. I kept most of my belongings in storage and just moved in essential items. And even though he gave me free reign to do whatever I wanted to the place, I had no plans to do anything like that. For my needs, it was fine just the way it was. I wasn't at the old house much the first couple of weeks. I was spending a lot of time checking the initial construction of my new home and was working late a lot. I was mostly using the rented house for sleep. Once I was confident the construction on my cabin was going well and my workload at my job lightened up, I was able to hang out in the old brick house much more. And things got creepy. It was the kitchen where the eeriness occurred. Every once in a while, I'd be in the kitchen and I'd hear the distinct sound of chains rattling. There was no doubt as to what it was. The big question was, where the hell was it coming from? The chain sounds didn't happen constantly. It was only on occasion. Thus, it was hard to isolate the sound. It was a couple months before I finally figured out where it was coming from. It was coming from under the floor. This was crazy because the house didn't have a basement. How could chain rattling sounds be emanating from under the floor? I called the owner of the house and told him about it. He said that several tenants he had over the years claimed the house was haunted. Many had mentioned the sounds of chains clanking, and others said the chain noises were accompanied by moans. I was intrigued to say the least. I had a good friend who worked in the county records department. He was also a local historian. I asked him if he could dig up anything about the history of the house and boy did he come through for me. The original owner of the house was named Hubert Cromwell. He was a widower and had twin daughters. He was a research scientist. It was speculated that he was an expert in biochemical warfare. When his twin daughters had not shown up for school for a period of two weeks, an administrator from the school stopped at the house to find out what was wrong. When they arrived, they found the front door ajar. They stepped into the house and found Hubert Cromwell with a gun in his hand and a bullet in his brain. Why he committed suicide, nobody knows, and they never did find his twin daughters. My friend was able to uncover the original blueprints of the house, and the amazing thing was that they showed a basement within the house. And according to the blueprints, the basement door was in the kitchen. But there was no door in the kitchen. I started knocking on the walls all throughout the kitchen area. To my surprise, one section of the wall sounded like it had a bit of a hollow spot behind it. My curiosity was more than piqued. 
I wanted to get a sledgehammer and pound through the wall. I wanted to see if there was a door behind it. I ran my crazy idea by the owner. He was more than okay with me proceeding with Operation Sledgehammer. For reselling purposes, he was mighty excited about the prospect of a basement. After several hard pounds of the sledgehammer, the plaster came tumbling down and a large wooden door stood before me. But that wasn't the only thing. Written with red paint across the door were the words, Don't go in the basement. This freaked me out, but my curiosity overruled my fear, and I found myself turning the doorknob. I was surprised at how easily the door opened. I was expecting to have to pry the thing open with a crowbar, but that wasn't the case. I swung the door open and looked down the cobweb-ridden basement stairs before me. I grabbed a flashlight and pushed my way down the darkened stairwell. Each step creaked loudly underneath my weight, but they felt solid. The blackness of the basement swallowed up my flashlight's beam. I couldn't even make out the floor of the basement until I reached the final step. It was then that I could tell that the basement floor was dirt. I took two steps onto the soft dirt floor and stopped abruptly when I saw a large manila folder sitting out of place on the dirt. I bent down and picked it up. Inside the manila folder were pages upon pages of hand-scribbled notes. What was this? I didn't have a chance to read a word before the loud clang of a chain startled me out of my wits. I shined my light forward, but it was too dark to see the source of the sound, so I cautiously took a few steps forward on the spongy ground. Another quick clatter of a chain to my left literally made me jump. I stood for the longest time pointing my beam of light in the direction from which the noise came and listened. Occasionally I could hear the soft, subtle sounds of chains stirring, but that wasn't all I heard. I also heard breathing. It was soft breath, and there was a flutter to it like congestion. I took another step forward into the basement, and then another. It was then that I was met by a high-pitched shriek. I stumbled backwards away from the stream and then saw the beast launch itself at me. It was small in stature, feminine, and rotten. It smelled of death. I fell onto the floor and lay helpless as the creature jumped toward me. I gritted my teeth and braced for impact when the monster was suddenly jerked back by the restraining bolt around its neck which was attached to a long, thick chain. Before I could let out a sigh of relief, I heard the clanking of another chain from my right side, and another identical beast was hurling itself toward me. I was able to stand and run before the monster could reach me, and then I witnessed the creature fall backwards due to its momentum being halted by its chain. I scurried back a few feet until I was at a safe distance. Then I simply observed. It was the twin girls. They were both chained to the walls. Their eyes were burning red. Their decaying skin was a sickening gray color. They glared at me with rage in their eyes and gnashed their teeth as they reached out toward me, longing to rip me apart. 
I grabbed the manila folder and ran upstairs. I sipped from a bottle of bourbon to help calm my nerves as I read the contents of the folder. Dr. Hubert Cromwell had taken notes about his experiments. He had been attempting to produce a chemical that would bring deceased soldiers back to life. The reanimated corpses would be aggressive and thirsty for blood. The perfect fighting machines. He had a major breakthrough and was about to present his formula to the agency when disaster struck. His twin daughters stumbled across his formula and spilled some on themselves. The chemical was absorbed by their flesh, killing them instantly. And as the formula was designed to do, it brought them back to life as maniacal, bloodthirsty zombies. The humane thing would have been to put them down, but Dr. Cromwell didn't have the strength to do so. Instead, he chained them up in the basement and plastered up the basement door hoping no one would ever find them. I did what Hubert Cromwell didn't have the heart to do. I brought a revolver to the basement and put the twin girls out of their misery. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com Sign up for our newsletter and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. From the mind of a maniac. Eight horror stories that are interconnected either significantly or slightly and are all bundled into one gigantic collection. That's right, you get eight books for the price of one. Maniac on the Loose, The Nine Lives of Ski Mask, The Craving, The Caretakers, It Lives in the Attic, Goat Sucker, Spirit Stalkers, Hell is Full. All eight books for the price of one. Go to Amazon and search for From the Mind of a Maniac or go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. If you like the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like, and don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much.